What's up, everybody? Jeremiah here with Minor to Major. Got another episode for you, and it's about homelessness. I want to talk about this because, you know, you think it doesn't pertain to you. You think that it doesn't affect you. But let me tell you, let me tell you how uh, important this this demographic, these people, our homelessness, this issue, this pandemic is. So I'm going to jump a little, I'm going to drop a few facts out there for you. And then uh, we're going to talk about the issue. We'll talk about the issue and then I'll talk about solution. And so let's get into it. Uh, Endhomelessness.org estimates that over the course of a year, approximately 550,000 unaccompanied youth and young adults up to the age of 24 experience a homelessness episode of longer than one week. More than half are under the age of 18. Did you know that African-Americans or black people lead the nation in mental illness? It was no surprise to me to learn a couple of years ago that uh, um, African-Americans lead the nation in homelessness. We lead the nation in um, mental illness diagnosis and in uh, homelessness, along with Native Americans, uh, that was thrown in there as well. I'm sorry, Native Americans is right down there with us. Native Americans and African Americans lead the nation in homelessness. Homelessness is rooted in broken homes or in homes with lots of chaos, lots of conflict. I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um. So yeah, when we talk about homelessness, what do you think about? What do you? What comes to your mind? panhandler on the corner with the sign I'll be uh, a bit insensitive here but I want y'all to know that I'm speaking from my life experiences from my lived experiences on this issue many of the panhandlers just a, a little side note you ready for the tea many of the panhandler, panhandlers that I have encountered have been diagnosed with a life long debilitating disorder or a handicap which in turn uh, they receive financial support from the government or they qualify this is the key the financial support is intended to help keep people off the streets and in many cases people are doing what they can to survive off the you know the 650 770 dollars of social security income or the social security disability income ssdi but a large amount of people who are homeless choose this life. Yeah, I said it. I said it. Again, I'm speaking from my experience. No bills. Out, uh, listen to this. No bills outside of a cell phone. And, and if they are really resourceful and would like to pinch their pennies, there's a phone assistance program that Obama that the Obama administration rolled out years ago to help uh, those in poor or lower income communities get them a smartphone or a cell phone. Back in 2017, I helped about three uh, underserved minorities, poor, uh, severe disability. I helped at least three clients get this free cell phone, programmed it, got them set up, whole smart internet, Wi-Fi, got it, I, I got them set up. Punch, uh, what is it, touchscreen? free phone no no monthly bill unless the customer goes over an extensive amount of talker or, or text time 
and I, I don't know the limitations on that so the resources are there the ssdi cell phone re- resources are there but my point is this homelessness can oftentimes be a choice that's my point i was sitting into i was sitting in a um a training with a bunch of progressives and we were in the we were in the space and a politician came in and he was against homelessness or, or fighting homelessness and i raised my hand i said something to the fact of you know i work with a, lo- a large amount of this population and uh, a lot of these people want to be homeless they want to be out on the streets and everybody had this i'm like what you what what like you could hear um the uncomfort the uneasy in the room I was like, oh, damn. But but folks, this is true. Other times it is because of poor decisions made in the past. And most all the time, it is a result of uh, traumatic experiences. I can give you several examples and, and go into detail on in all three of these scenarios. But I'm going to touch on um, I'm going to touch on one, all three of them just briefly. Someone who chooses to be homeless may uh, let's say they, they, may, they may believe that this is the ultimate freedom. This is freedom. Not having to play, pay bills, mortgage, mortgage uh, answer to a landlord, nobody to report to. Absolute freedom to drop off the radar and nobody can find them. They are seen or found when they want to be found. And usually this happens during the winter seasons. Think about that. You drop off the face of the earth. Where's Kevin at? Where's John? Where's Teresa? I don't know. They don't want to be found. People, some people don't want to be bothered. They are, this is real. Um, So the winter months, a lot of times it's too cold. Uh, uh, So there's a flood that you'll see a flood in the shelters or inpatient psychiatric hospitals where I typically meet them. And doing an assessment, what is called a psychosocial assessment on the homeless patient, uh, they may not be able to identify two positives about themselves, but it is easy for me to. I can identify two, maybe more, real quick. When when someone t- comes to me and they say, uh, I don't have family, I don't have, uh, I don't have a support system, um, my health is bad, um, it's hard to identify two strengths in their life. And to be honest, a lot of them have, you know, a a lot of bad cases. But the two things that I can think of off the top of my head is resilience. You have resiliency and you are resourceful. You can survive in some of the most harsh conditions without uh, a Tempur-Pedic memory foam mattress and a duck feather pillow. Resourceful and that you choose to keep your Medicaid card um, your, your health insurance, your benefits card, your, your ID card in the event you need to come to the hospital and get your needs met. You know how to get your needs met. You're resourceful. You know what crimes to commit to get picked up by the police and spend a week or two, three weeks, a month in jail before they release you back to the streets where you are resourceful. No matter how you picked up these bad habits, you know how to survive. That's a strength. Okay, number two, poor decisions that have been made in the past also could be tied to trauma, but that is something that I'll get into on uh, my next point. Trauma can be so complex and deep in nature. I, I, 
I'm going to choose to stay uh, superficial on that subject. But someone decided to pick up heroin after a bad day because maybe they've been exposed to it. A cousin, an uncle, a girlfriend brought it home. Had a bad day. I'm going to get high. I'm going to get fucked up. They've never been the same since. Someone decided to start taking shots or drinking beer to self-medicate the stress of their boss or the bills, the overwhelming amount of stress that happens in our life. We all deal with this. So they get drunk, self-medicate, poor choices, became an addict, and now they subscribe to a whole new lifestyle in homelessness. You'll get this coming. I lost everything, my wife, my kids, my family, homeless. And because of depression, isolation, and loneliness, it is hard to dig yourself out of this dark place. We get it. I understand. It started with a poor decision that you made to self-medicate. It started with the stress. It started with the trauma. It became overwhelming, and you made a poor choice to deal with it. And now it's led you to this rock-bottom place in your life. The third one is trauma. This is probably the most important one that leads to homelessness. Homelessness, Unresolved trauma leads to mental illness, which leads, which leads to poor insight, which in turn leads to poor decision-making or impulsive behaviors. You see this in our teenagers, our kids. I don't want to live here no more. I'm getting out of here. I'm gone. That's impulsive behavior, immature, impulsive behavior. When they become adults, unresolved trauma leads to the mental illness, whether it's depression. Uh, for some of you all who don't understand, um, you know, mental, severe mental illness, you know, at the age of 18, 19, 20 years old, those college years, um, if there is a predisposed disposition of um, schizophrenia, schizoaffective, if, if this is in the family history, in the lineage somewhere, uncle, grandpa, mother, father, cousin, it's in the family, it's, if it's in the lineage, additional stress and anxiety can cue up those symptoms of, of that uh, the diagnosis. You may have your first psychotic break in college because you're studying, you're cramming, you're getting stressed out, you're staying up all night, boom, first psychotic break. So when you have unresolved trauma, when you've got all these bad things that have happened in your lifetime, they don't get treated Maybe you don't go to college. 18, 19 years old, you're working, you're doing your thing. You're stressed out, you're pissed off, you're, you're, you're um, self-medicating, and then bam, you have your first psychotic break, which leads to, in the future, poor insight. I'm not, I'm not psychotic. I don't have this diagnosis. I'm not taking my, my medications. Poor decisions. Impulsive behaviors homelessness homelessness you end up uh, doing things without thinking thoroughly about the consequences when you do this enough times it becomes a way of your life it becomes a, a way of of culture for you this is how you do it when you're out on the streets people who are homeless out on the streets a lot of impulsive behaviors don't care attitude and so um you know, a lot of that is stemming from unresolved trauma. It's uh, poor choices, maybe substance abuse. I use substance abuse as a, an example, but there's lots of, uh, of uh, poor decisions that lead to 
mental health issues, trauma uh, that leads to homelessness. We're going to take a quick break and I'm going to come back with some solutions. Y'all don't go anywhere. Listen to this. I wanted to remind you that I have a book out on my website, www.minortomajortx.com. I want to stop lower income minorities from entering the prison system like I did, but I also want to share how you can not only survive in this world of opportunity, but thrive like I am today. Learn how I turned my minor setback into a major comeback and how you can also. Download that book at www.minortomajortx.com. Scroll about halfway down and punch that button on how you can order your copy from uh, Amazon today. Oh, we're back. All right, solutions. All right, y'all, let's get into this. There are several ways to attack homelessness, and I want to share all my thoughts and opinions on this matter, but I will reserve the right to do so because it will offend a lot of people. I know this is the raw and uncut uh, podcast, short podcast, uh, but but at the same time, I want to be sensitive to people's uh, feelings, thoughts, and emotions, and so I, w- I want to be respectful. But I will share some of the socially appropriate responses that I have on the issue. Start with family. Those who experience love and affection from adults at a young age, those youth, those kids, I'm going to start with the young people. Those who experience that consistently at a young age, consistently all the way up until adulthood are more likely to feel confident and gain autonomy naturally as they develop. So uh, the the kid may get uh, privileges to go out to school dance. Okay, kid may uh, get privileges to drive. Uh, Kid may go uh, to get privileges on going out on dates and hanging out with friends. Kid may get privileges to uh, stay out until 12 p or 12 a.m. You, you see, it, it slowly but surely, these rights or or these these privileges are given to the child. They naturally develop autonomy into adulthood, and so when they go out into college, they're able to effectively, well, hopefully, they were they are effectively able to manage their time. Uh, make better choices and decisions based off of the training that they've slowly gained over uh, the 18 years of living in a a loving, uh, uh, affectionate household. We have to, uh, we have got to ensure that our youth are being shown love and affection, uh, preferably from man and woman. I don't care if that comes from grandpa, uncle, cousin, a man needs to be in the life of both men, uh, boys and girls. My thoughts, respectfully, my thoughts. And the loving, uh, nurturing that uh, a woman gives, the sensitive, that, that bond that a woman gives, um, and then the toughness and the sternness from a man, uh, from his loving, uh, healthy, loving standpoint, together, it, it's beautiful. The dynamics is beautiful. But um, again, I, I digress. Those parents who are incarcerated, let's talk about let's talk about them. We must find ways for the youth to continue to receive constant communication with the parents as much as possible. Those parents who are incarcerated, locked up, why? Ooh, this is gonna get good. 
because biological parents help the child identify and know and understand who they are. It answers more questions than you will ever know. Trust me. It provides reassurance for the youth and most of all, how they came to be about on this land, this earth. You know, children often question why. Why was I born? Why am I even here? Was I a mistake or purposely given the opportunity knowing where they came from and how they got here is important to know. Kids all the time grow out of the system and have the burning desire to go back to the biological parent. Uh, when I talk about the system, I'm talking about foster care. They grow out of the foster care system. The in and out of foster care homes, uh, residential treatment homes, centers, uh, um, what is it? The, all the different facilities that are offered to these children. Right now in the state of Texas, there are, they are they're being housed in hotels, motels, and different facilities like that because it's just an overwhelming amount of youth right now. So anyways, the kids all the time grow out of the system and have the burning desire to go back to biological mom, biological dad, even if they are deadbeats, they're bad people. Why? Because the Maslow hierarchy of needs were not met at the pivotal moments of the early stages of their developmental young adult life. Their childhood life. Their basic needs were not met. Some of So there's basic needs there, and then there's just a sense of mom and dad. Belongingness. Oh, I'm going to get on that a little bit later. Kids need to feel a sense of belongingness. Family reunification is probably one of the most effective ways to combat homelessness. In a toxic home environment, there needs to be social services provided to those families to ensure the home remains safe and works towards the goal of creating a safe, emotionally healthy environment for everybody. Mom, sister, cousin, the child, everybody. The other thing I would like to add, we need to get these kids back in church, get them back in the church. Next week, I plan on going from uh, door to door to, uh, to 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 knock to to rough neighborhood areas to pass out flyers uh, about a youth group I I, ha I host monthly at a church. I host this specifically at a church. I wanted I didn't want to pick a, a different venue, a school. Nope, I wanted it to be at a church. Back in Malcolm X and Martin Luther King's day. Uh, the church or the mosque was a place to be reckoned with. It was where uh, the most important meetings were being held and how we brought resolution and solutions to the greatest problems our communities faced. That's not the case anymore. At least uh, one day out of the week, I would like to see. There needs to be uh, a little, little to no crime happening because our most troubled young people should be in church and be at peace throughout the day. We have got to find a way to get our kids back in the church, surrounded by positive role models who are trying to do better and get closer to their higher power. When you get closer to your higher power, you're trying to do right here on this earth. Okay, that is the significance of that. The education system. I've got so much to talk about on the church, y'all. This It's not even funny, but I want to move on because this is a short cast. The edu It's meant to be a short cast. The education system. We need to have institutions that take away the pass-fail, advanced scale of school grades. 
what is what what yes because that has been around since like the 30s the 40s but listen listen without going into detail i'm going to touch on this as much as i can the addition of uh the end of school exam tag what is that called that not back in my day it was the toss now it's uh it's something else it was tossed and it went to the task and um but there's an end of, uh, end of school exam uh and, and that much that, that adds much that much more stress and anxiety on both the student and the teachers i have three teachers that i see in my private practice and they all get stressed out about preparing the kids on how to pass this end of the school year exam then the kids get this anxiety students need to learn at their own pace instead of at the pace of kids of average grade or age equivalents i do these these iq iq and uh, achievement tests and i hate state uh, statistics i love data i hate statistics in, in this regard but when you're measuring kids who live in wyoming north dakota amongst uh, kids who are in sixth grade and are 11 or 12 years old 11 years old 10 10 years old when, when we start comparing and contrasting, you should be here. You should be learning this. You should know this reading curriculum. You should know how to do this type of math. And when you tell a kid you're not performing to where you're supposed to be performing, what does that do? The kid thinks that they are failing. They are a failure. They're not performing. They're underperforming. When you take away that option to fail grade level, not tests, not exams, that's a good measurement. But when you take that 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 grade level, that option to pass and fail grade levels, then the likelihood of a youth becoming discouraged, stressed or frustrated with the learning process diminishes significantly. People in general don't want to fail. We don't want to fail. We avoid failure at all costs. In most cases, this starts in the school. This isn't any different from our kids. They don't want to fail, so don't even try, right? Forget it, I'm done. It's easier to quit the process of finishing school than it is to ride it out struggling for 18 years. When we can have smaller classrooms and remove the grade levels, then we will have more attention directed to students and less kids scared of failing. Failing grades, failing school. We need smaller classrooms. Uh, we need you know, and again, that's more resources. I know that's more money. It's more coming from the state and the government. Look, I I, under, I get that. I know. I get it. I didn't say this was going to be easy or cheap. Easy, cheap solutions. Just giving you a heads up. We need to have more transitional housing. Um, so this is probably the main focus of this here. This is how we support our, our youth and homelessness. This is how we prevent youth and homelessness for youth who are aging out of the system aging out of foster care uh, cps these kids need to need safe spaces to feel loved welcomed and supported with the influx of youth who identify in the lgbtq community there is a huge demand for supportive spaces to help process and cope with the life stressors that can be seen different stressors from those who do not understand the culture and the LGBTQ community. Not being rejected 
being uh, accepted. So having that acceptance and having the feeling of belongingness. This is what every human being needs to be emotionally and mentally healthy. That goes without saying adding love, right? Acceptance, being loved. Belongingness, being loved. Not being rejected by people. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If these basic needs are not met, people people are not mentally healthy. They go into adulthood um, with mental health diagnosis. We need to have more transitional housing. I mean, okay, so some people don't know what transitional housing. Transitional housing is that space between 18 and 21. So you aged out of the foster care system, but you need to slowly integrate into society, into independence. And so you need low cost housing. You need to qualify for low house, low cost housing. So, um, you know, maybe rent is two or $300 a month. All right. We need those types of spaces In those types of spaces. We need to have therapeutic services. We need to have social services in there. We also need, I mean, listen, look at this model. We, we need, we could use a large center to house these youth. Like think of a large warehouse and a large warehouse has like five or six different sections closed off. You can have uh, 20 bunk beds in every, every area. It's not the best housing, right? They don't have their own room, but think about this, 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 um, this model kids who run away from home. There's so many kids who run away from CPS. There's so many because these bad impulsive behaviors that a lot of us have engaged in when we were kids, we engaged in these horrible behaviors. I ran away for like 13 hours when I was a kid. When we have these facilities, you can resort to having a safe environment. You're going to get your meals and you're going to come here and receive therapy to process emotions, feelings, and uh, learn effective communication and other interventions while you're here. Sometimes when youth run away, they end up uh, running away to the streets because a horrible situation at home. And we we victimize, we will tell the kids, you know, you ran away from home. It's a bad thing. Like you made a horrible decision, but we don't know about their home life. They're running away from bad situations, thinking the grass is greener on the other side. A lot of times it's not without having resources. We have to learn how to help these youth and their families. We need resources. We need funds. We need hands of our elders who are committed to helping these community, this community as well as younger generations. I'm gonna tell you why the importance of having elderly people involved in this care. Because believe it or not, a lot of these young kids, these teenagers, they seek refuge in old people. Forgive me if you are, you know, up there 60, 70 years old, but these kids identify you as old, okay? <laughs> I'm almost there. They identify me as old in my mid-30s. So, hey, it's okay. Embrace your gray hair. Embrace that. Okay, anyways, as I wrap up in my closing, y'all, we, we need to have our, our elders, our older people, older generation in these spaces in this in this warehouse in these homes because kids actually respect them they do they really do respect them there's of course there's going to be some days or there's going to be some kids that pop off and disrespect these old older people but for the most part 
they're going to check themselves. They're going to get back in line and they're going to show our older generation, our older people respect. I've seen it. This happens all the time. Um, so anyways, y'all, uh, that, that is, you know, my piece on, um, on homelessness and, and, you know, if we can really help our youth, because that is a large part of uh, the homelessness in, the, in our community, we can stop our youth from going to confined institutions, breaking the law, going to, to jails and prisons, getting caught up in the system. If we can attack this homelessness issue within our youth, our kids, then what happens is uh, we also avoid the risk of uh, you know, severe mental illness, sex trafficking, human trafficking. The list goes on. Homelessness is a pandemic just as much as COVID-19 is. Thank y'all for another episode of joining me in another episode of Minority Mindset, helping people turn their minor setbacks into major comebacks. This is Jeremiah.